Amen. Why don't we make our way back to our seats? Good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Rich, uh, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. I want to welcome everyone, our guests that are here today. Thank you for coming out. I know there's a lot of places you could have came. And also our parents who came in for homecoming week. Good to see you guys and your students, your, your uh, children are doing great. They're wonderful. They're getting all A's. And they show up to class every day on time. And they paid me to say that. I'm not going to say anything else until I received the offering this morning. But really, um, it's great to see we had our purple on to represent ACU and homecoming. And I'm sorry about the game yesterday. It's okay. Once we get the football team saved, they'll all win all the time. But I want, before we get started, if you were here, we're in a series now called Big Deal. About last series, we had a um, series called Simplify. And we did a special uh, Sunday that while we were worshiping, we had some artists draw, draw and, we, and, and paint. And what we believe that God speaks through art and speaks through painting. And we had uh, Jordan. Manny. Thank you, Manny. You know how it is, man. I believe it's, uh, come up. He did something. And I have another young lady that's going to come up and share for two minutes what God showed her. And what we're going to do, we're going to continue doing this, and what we're going to do is actually put this in our Connection Cafe as, we, as the Lord sees fit, as they put things together. So I want to welcome Melissa. See, I got that right. I got that right. Good morning. Um, okay, so Pastor Rich told me to share um, kind of how I came up with this a painting. And so I, I went over... His message, he sent some of us some verses, um, and then as I heard him talking about um, being connected and not being isolated in the church and um, encouraging one another. And so as I was pondering over that, the Lord really put three verses on my heart. He put Matthew 16, 24, uh, Galatians 6, 2, and Hebrews 10 24 and what those say is um, Matthew 16 24 says um, that if we want to follow the Lord that we have to lay ourselves down and we have to carry our cross and Galatians 6 2 says that we're called to carry each other's burdens and uh, Hebrews 10 24 says uh, to not forget to meet with each other but to encourage one another and spray each other on good deeds and so those really stuck to my heart and as I was listening to him and staying connected and how it's so important as the church and as the body of Christ that we all you know for the body of Christ to function we all have to work together right mm-hmm. um, and encourage one another and so I was thinking over that and I got this image and I got the image of that famous sculpture marine sculpture of uh, those marines putting the flag in the ground but instead i saw them carrying a cross representative of the burdens that people um, carry while they follow christ and in their journey and so i came up with that and um and yeah that's how it it all got together so thanks amen thank you ma'am i help you off let me help you down okay all righty and we're going to put that up in our Connection Cafe. Um, we have a whole couple of series we want to start bringing that out more because God speaks through voices, speaks through music. He speaks through art. And we have amazing artists here. And uh, even you didn't even know that Manny was a Marine, so I know I spoke to him. Uh, and um, so was uh, where's John. John here, Marine. I'm sorry to hear that, but you guys. Um, 
I always joke with these guys of the Iron Man, but really I want to welcome you here. If you were here last week, we kicked off a series called Big Deal. And the first week we talked about promise. The promises that God has given us, the covenant that God has given each and every we get to live through the promises of God. And when I, I gave up three things last week, I gave us three headlines on that. So we're blessed because of God's love, because not because we're good or uh, because we're famous or because we have it all together. In fact, when you're talking about God bless the Israelites because they were the least in the kingdom. So whenever you feel like you're the least in the land, God's blessing you. He loves to bless those who feel like they're the least. Second one was power. That he's, through his power, that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we have power. God brought us into freedom. Nothing that we were able to do. And we talk about the Old Testament from the children of Israel go from the promise out to the prom, from slavery to the promised land. As we are in Jesus Christ, we go from sin to, the, to become saints. We go from bondage to freedom through Christ himself, not with our own doing, by his mighty power. And the last one is, how many you know God is faithful? Amen. Through his faithfulness, God is faithful. If we were faithless, he's faithful. And we talked about the covenant. Even if we blow it, it's going to happen anyway because it's based upon his faithfulness, not upon ours. And that just gives you more security and gives you more assurance that who we serve is a mighty God. And he will never let us down. He'll never let us go. Amen. And today we're going to talk about power, the power of blessing. And we're going to stay in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, the power of blessing. Now, before I go there, I want to give you a uh, disclaimer before we get started, because whenever we talk about blessings of God, we kind of look eternal and say, I don't have that stuff. I'm going to give you a perspective, especially living here in America. We always think we don't have enough. Well, I looked up some figures. If your family income is less than, is about $10,000 a year, you're wealthier than 80% of the world. Now, if it's, it's 50000 or more a year, you make more than 99% of the world. So the United States is blessed. Now, we have our issues because that's sin. Sin brings issues and brings confusion. But we're a blessed nation. So if you're, like, making... A family of four of $10,000, you're, you're, pretty, pretty, you're doing pretty good because you're wealthier than 84% of the world. And the only way you get to see that is when you go on mission trips. And you get to go see, help people, and see where they are, and then where we come from one place. One thing you leave here and you're saying, you complain about a lot, then you receive, you come to a place that there's no, home, there's no homes, there's no meals, there's nothing. And then God convicts your heart and says, I am such a whiner. So when we talk about blessing, let's not focus on what we don't have. Focus on what God has blessed you with now, today. Because we can try to get somewhere and we miss everything. So as we talk about the power of God, remember, God's power is different from anything we try to manipulate, human manipulation, power, our own power, politics, or any kind of competition. How God gives power is by his grace. He gives it by his grace, not by our fancy uh, maneuvering. Stock market has nothing to do with my blessing. So when we look at it, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 18. God is giving, talking about the power of blessing, and he's giving some warnings to the children of Israel. It's kind of interesting. He says, starts off in verse 11. He said, take care, lest you forget 
the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten, when you have eaten, not if, when you have eaten. How many ate a meal this morning? You're blessed. Got me to keep moving. And, have, and are full and have built good houses and live in them. How many live in a house? How many live in an apartment? You're blessed. Now, if you're a college student, your parents are paying for it. You better say thank you. Oh, sorry. Parents told me to say that, too. They put the money on the right side. And when your herds win, your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up, and you will, what? Again, the word forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with fiery serpents and scorpions, and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you out, brought you water out of a flinty rock. That's amazing. The rock they're talking about, it's impossible for water to come out, but all things are possible to God when God's in it. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you. Now circle that because sometimes we think testing's a bad thing, but really testing's our best friend. Now when you're talking about humbling, you're humbling the children of Israel. He was taking the ownership. They will have to present the ownership of their lives to God. Some of us in that zone right now, you believe in God every day for something, a meal. You're walking in right now in your daily bread. There's not abundance in your house, but it's daily bread. Whenever I feel I'm walking and something is there's either plenty or less, and I'm walking daily by, his, by daily bread, it humbles me because it helps me remember who's giving it to me. And the children of Israel need to know that, that it wasn't their mighty hand who brought them out. But he will humble us because he loves us. So we have a proper perspective on who gives it to us. You over here, if you've come through marriage counsel and me and Ms. Donna, we say it's blessed you're married to be broke. Because you have no money to go out. You have no money to do anything. But you can do a lot at home with each other. <laughs> oh, y'all shy because we're in church. It's okay to be broke. Men enjoy it. In fact, hide the money. Sorry, let's go. <laughs> to test you. Population's going up. All right. To you to do good in the end. See, you do good in the end. Beware lest you in your heart, my power. You say in your heart, my power, the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember. I love this part that the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Everybody see this day. Now, we're talking about something over thousands of years ago. That covenant spilled this day, this very day. And the covenant, talking about the laws of God, and I didn't talk about this last week, how Jesus came to fulfill the law. In fact, he kind of upped the ante. This isn't to make the law go away. And then make the covenant go away. We have a new covenant, but we have the same blessings of Abraham. Amen? So when we look at this, 
Um, you see, I told you last week that God, I mean, Moses had the children of Israel on the side of the mountain, giving them instructions on going in. That he gave, they were going to give the people promises, and he promised to bless them. And he also gave them some promises. He gave them some warnings. The things that can take place to be careful of whenever we become blessed. Because sometimes prosperity doesn't do us well. He reminded them that blessings, wealth, and success comes from him, not from us. Because the power to gain wealth comes from him. So we look to God for that, not to ourselves. And there's three things when you look at in this passage. God gave three commands and warnings to his people about the power of blessing. The first one is beware of the power of possessions. Second, beware of, the, of pride. And the third one is remember God. Beware of the power of possessions, verses 11 through 14. You know, with great abundant blessings and possessions, we must be careful never to look or never have those things become our identity and our source. Think about it. Our happiness and our security. We should never let those things that we have become our identity, our happiness and our security. Because if they go away, if they get slim, so does our attitude and so is our life. Because we always depend on what we lost versus what you have now. And sometimes you need to lose something so you can gain something new. So we can't let that become everything to us. If you look in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 24, remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and said, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus saw the young man, saw the pride in the young man, and he told him, you know, you got to give him the right stuff. He gave him the nice practical stuff. You know, love your family. You know, do this thing. Uh, don't steal. And he, he, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I've been doing that all my life. So why, what, you know, what do I lack? See, I'm good. I, I go to church every week and, you know, <laughs> sit on the front row and rah, rah, lift my hands and, you know, that's good. And I don't, I don't kill anybody. I don't cut them off in traffic. I'm a good Christian. Think about it. I do all things. You know, the law says don't, I didn't kill anybody. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not doing any of that. All of us always have to ask this question when prosperity comes, success comes, what am I lacking? Because then God will show you what you're lacking. This young man was taking commandments and collecting them like in a book. Like, I check, check, check. Checked it off, I'm a good person. But his heart was far from God. See, it's possible to be a good religious person versus happier in the relationship with Christ. There's a difference. Check, I did this. Check, I did check. Hey, I gave my alms. I, I did communion. What else do you want from me? Hey, how about giving and going on a mission trip? Oh, no, brother. I just, you know, I can't. How about sharing the gospel? Well, that's not my, that's not my personality. Your heart's missing because when your heart's sold out, everything's your personality. So when we look at that, what do I still lack? See, with him, his wealth became his personal identity, his power and purpose and meaning in life. See, there's nothing wrong with having possessions as long as possessions don't have you. 
There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. As long as the nice stuff doesn't have you. And you stay up all night for stuff that you didn't even work hard for, that God blessed you with. And that's what happened to him. It became everything to him. And I want to give you this, this bullet here. We all have to learn this. And we consistently, as things get great, uh, blessings increase in our life. We got to always remember this. We cannot base our existence on the quantity in our life. We got to base our existence on the quality of life. It's not about the quantity. When you hear about the great generals of the faith, they didn't have much. If you get to go to Japan, they thought we were crazy when we bought our stuff over there. Our landlord, you guys got a lot of stuff. We go to their house, you have a little chair, you sit, and you just eat and hang out, and they have the refrigerator. They didn't have a, a stove big enough to make cakes. That's why I liked Americans when we bought our big stuff over there. At least they can make a cake and our stove. But they looked out, we got all this furniture. You look at them, they, they can move out quickly. We got stuff. There's no wrong having stuff. Long stuff don't have you. And your identity's not in it. Because, you know, when you ask somebody, how you doing? Don't we give the answer of what we have? Versus if you ask, in those days, in the, in the Eastern culture, how you doing? They give you, two, they give you one answer. The relationship with God and the relationship with people. Not what I have and what I don't have. How much I got paid, I didn't get paid. I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a, uh, a uh, what do you call it? I'm going to give you a, uh, a tip. The more you have, the more it is to manage. I'm here to tell you, I'm 58 years old, retired once, get money from Uncle Sam, get money from, because I'm supposed to be physically disabled. Ha, that didn't last. And you know who loves me? Her name is Fika. Somehow Fika just finds me. Y'all know Fika, the one y'all young people, when you first got your first check, you said, I worked a lot of hours, right? And you said, what, what, who's that Fika guy? FICA loves you. It's the government. You know? <laughs> like Jesus said, render Caesars the Caesars and give God his God. You're not going to get away from FICA. You're not going to get away from God. He loves me. So we got to figure out how to beat FICA. We can't beat him. We've been trying hard. We cannot beat him. And I said, I don't even know how to count anymore. So I got me an accountant to do it. Y'all blessed. The church got an accountant to do all I have no idea how to do that. It's complicated, especially if your kids are going to college. And what's legal, not legal. Parents are saying, amen. They're not paying you back, parents. Don't worry about it. They're going to say a lot, but they won't. <laughs> Just trying to tell you. But beware of the power of possessions. Don't base your life on what you have in your pocket. Base your life because you have a pocket. Don't work so fast trying to become all that, whatever that looks like. Spend our time on earth helping those who don't have anything. And the first thing is the gospel. They don't have the gospel. They got nothing. Because everything we have is a byproduct of the gospel. Everything. We didn't create anything. Jesus saved us. (laughs) 
into the new land like the promised land. Everything I have, anything that's good, came from the grace of God, period. Nothing I was, I was good at gave me the power to do everything I'm doing. So don't base your life. You got to beware of possessions because they'll sneak up on you. Go out there and look at the car and, oh, that's nice. And you kind of forget that God gave you the car. Talked about when the Jews would eat a meal, they would actually pray before the meal and then pray. That convicted me. And they prayed after the meal. That convicted me. Because it's great to pray before the meal, but praying afterwards, that's really giving thanks. Second thing is beware of pride. If we forget God, then success has a way of making us proud and thinking we are, we're the source instead of God. Because you never have to, you know, let me tell you, you, never, you have to always never forget how helpless you were before God rescued you. And you couldn't rescue yourself. Remember that. Here's how you know you're walking in pride. Because continuing faith is always beyond our own power. You're, into a, you're in a church that loves to go share the gospel. You will hear some things in the next coming weeks about, hey, at this time next year, how would you all like to go to South, uh, Cape Town, South Africa? And some of you will say, I don't have the money for it. That means you're walking in pride because now you've become the source. You know what faith does? It kills your pride. Because God always gives you something way above them which you can accomplish. That's why it's called faith. Say, hey, you want to go to Atlanta, Georgia? Go on a mission trip. I don't have the money. You don't have, you know, that's true. You don't have it, but you have a God who does. See? And God will test our little box to see if we're really believing him or believing ourselves. Because when you go on a trip, you have nothing when we meet in the room. That's when the process starts. You have nothing but a prayer. Six, well, 12 weeks into it, we have nothing. We have a God and we have prayer. Eight weeks into it, I got some money. It wasn't because I was smart. Because God, whatever God ordains, he will all provide for. So even my age, because I can get settled to go Preach the gospel. It's beyond my comfort zone. But again, God says do it. When I get there, I'm so happy with it. Stretch me. It's never going to be anything you can fund. If you can do it, it's not God. It's just a project. Remember that. Everything that you have comes from God. And everything he wants you to have will come from him. And how you get there? From faith to faith to faith to faith. But pride will stop it because it's not easy calling a partner. But they're a partner. And what you're telling them is, have a, have a perfect opportunity for you to be blessed. Charles Spurgeon said this, pride might be set down as a sin of human nature. The reason why he said that is because what in the garden, lust of the eyes, lust of flesh, Pride of life. I can be like God. So if I can be like God, I don't need him. 
If I have all the money of God will give me, I don't need him. If I got this nice car and this nice house, I don't need God for I'm, I'm good and ha- I'm happy. You ever hear people say that? Until they get to the deathbed, they're not thinking about the house. They're not thinking about it. They just, I should have known God a whole lot faster. It sneaks up on us. It sneaks up on me all the time. One writer says, it's like bad breath. You're the last one to know you have it. <laughs> and it should be challenging us. Faith should challenge us to the core. I know I want to, because we have this, I want to make everyone feel good. They're not going to feel good if they're not stepping out in faith. Because we created, God created us to experience something higher than ourselves. Higher than ourselves. And that's him. Serving him is so fruitful and so amazing. If you're not, you're bored. And when you're bored, you forget. And when you forget, you, you start to slide. Make sense? Beware of pride. Beware of the house you have right now. It was um, Colin Powell said this. Uh, when he came to visit, he said, uh, he said, don't ever, don't put your, your ego too close to your position. Because if you lose your position, you'll foul out. When you put your ego too close to your stuff, you lose that stuff. You lose yourself. I know this is tough because we're materialistic. And it's an everyday thing. And we think the more we have, the better it be. It really is not. That's why I love um, Dave Ramsey class. It's not how much you got in, it's what you manage. I mean, you get plenty coming in. Remember, if you're less than $10,000, I mean, you're $10,000 a year, you're 84% rich in this world. It's about what you do with it. And God set up a kingdom that whatever you give multiplies. That's what my third point. Remember God. Remember God. When he said remember God is verse 18. Remember, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is this day. You're talking about remembering God. He's talking about worship. See, in absence, in absence of proper worship, people forget and become complacent and greedy and even deny God even provided for them. When you come and Sunday morning is a good exercise for worship because you learn to put something on the altar, your finances. And he checks your heart on that. If you check out that time, that's an act of worship that you blow. And if you don't think you need him, you won't give to him. Now, you're not giving to the church. You're giving to him. Remember that. All the scriptures say don't, don't come to Pastor Rich. It comes to God. And then we're responsible to give it all to him. Malachi 3, 10, 11, I love that. Because when you have your, listen to this. When your worship is proper, it leads to protection and plenty. Malachi 3, 10, 11 says, bring the full tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If not, I want to open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down such a blessing until there's no more need. So he takes care of the need part. This is the greatest part I love. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not destroy the fruits of your soil, the vine in the field, and shall not bear, that, that shall not bear, says the Lord God of, the Lord of hosts. 
protection. You know there's a devourer? Remember last week I told you about in, in Haggai chapter, chapter 1, when the people stopped putting their business to call God and building a temple, how much money they were losing, coming out their pockets. They just weren't, they were slowing so much, getting nothing. The crops were failing, and they thought they were normal. There's a devourer in our lives. He wants to devour your finances. He wants to devour your marriage. He wants to devour your kids. He wants to devour your whole household. So you need to be protected. And your finances, he loves doing that. You know, before you walk with God, when you got your income tax check back, it wouldn't take a week before something blew up in the house or blew up somewhere. You had to, there it goes. Or if you're walking with God and he already knows you need money for taxes, someone steps up and blesses you. Two years in a row. FICA comes looking. <laughs> Think I'm kidding. He knows where to look, because I have a social security number with a uniform. And I'm like, FICA wants a lot of money. God, and next thing you know, gift. See, that was the God moment. He told me to say that. And next thing you know, it goes from God's hands to FICA. That's a practical blessing. But it's a reality. See, we all want miracles, but we don't want to be in the need for it. We don't want the need for it. We want a miracle when we sit and, you know, we're standing in God's promises while we're sitting in the premises. Give me a miracle. But you don't want to be in the need for it. And you can pray for that. Proverbs 3, 19, 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be busting with wine. Word plenty. See, you honor first, plenty second. But I don't care about the plenty. I just want to honor God and all that I'm doing. And when I honor him, he takes care of me by protection and plenty. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about all things. We have rich relationships. You have rich favor in your job. When everyone else is having problems, you're getting promoted. Now, how did that happen? And you know why? Because God wants to confirm his covenant through you. And the confirmation is through you. They'll see you not struggling. Or you're in the same boat, but they're not struggling. You're not struggling. In fact, your attitudes are, what is that? That's a God I know. This business closed tomorrow. That door closed tomorrow? There's a new door somewhere. Now, I'm not going to spend my time knocking on the door that closed. I'm just going to start looking for the door that's opening. Because once he closes one source, a resource, let me put it that way, resource, he opens another resource. We don't spend our time looking at the closed resource. You see the new resource. And you know what that new resource is? A new faith level. Which makes walking with God amazing. So when we worship, we want to worship the source of our blessings, not the blessings themselves. If you're worshiping just the blessings of God, 
you're going to have a hard time every, other, every week. Because if it's up, plenty lack. Plenty lack. Or if you come off a mountaintop experience, you know you always go down to the valley of need. But it's an amazing thing when he says, I want to confirm the covenant. It means to establish, to ratify. It's a divine confirmation of the promises given. Now, we have this thing in the body of Christ. We want to confront people, but really, people need a confirmation that God is real and he's alive and he's powerful and he takes care of his people. And the greatest thing we do here, we try to remind everyone here, when you give, because you are a giving place, those who do give, you are amazing. And we always take whatever you do and we try to show it and give you confirmation that God is working. Whatever that is, when you give to something, a few weeks ago you gave amazingly to our ENC chapter of all our universities. And they went on a trip, and amazing things took place. And only God does that. And I want to show you something that took place. Roll the tape. Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. We have one of our campus ministers, Miss Brittany's going to just share, give you a little um, um, feedback on what happened up there. It's amazing. So retreat was pretty stinking awesome. Uh, the video doesn't really do it justice. I think God moved in such a powerful way that a camera just can't capture. Uh, students encountered God in a, just a new personal way. Students made decisions to follow him with their lives. Um, chains were broken off from past sins, and students were enabled to walk in freedom of what it means to be a son or daughter of the Most High King. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, but I only have three minutes, and so let me get to some concrete numbers. You as a church gave the August missions offering. Mm -hmm. Um, With the amount you gave, we had enough to do eight full scholarships, but there was a greater need for partial scholarships, and so we put it towards 20 partial scholarships. Wow. You, You helped 20 students go to retreat. So once we got to retreat, we had about 230 total people there. Wow. 63 were students from Abilene, both ACU and Hardin-Simmons. Seven of them were staff from Abilene. Woohoo, that's us. Uh, we had 16 total salvations. Four yeah. of them were from Abilene. We had about 30 total baptisms. Four of them were from Abilene. Wow. And about 12 people total answered the call to full-time campus ministry. And out of those 12, two of them were from Abilene. I just, I just want to thank you as a church for believing in us as a campus ministry and um, believing in what we're doing and partnering with us. We love being able to call this our church home and being able to partner with you as our spiritual family. Um, even though many of you aren't on church staff or you don't do vocational ministry, um, you giving to this missions offering and being able to pray for us as a campus ministry uh, makes you such a vital part to what we're doing. Um, we just wouldn't be able to do this without you. So thanks again. Amen. Amen.